Come on in, guys. Welcome to the Suicide Bench. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're two friends from the Midlands who are absolutely diehard Survivor fans. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about week five of Australian Survivor. So take your spot on the sit-out bench and let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the sit-out bench. How are we all doing today? Joe, how are you feeling about this week of Australian Survivor? Yeah, Matt, great to be with you. Um, obviously, what a fantastic week it's been. Uh, shout out to Ilya Taporia, friend of the pod, for becoming the... We know you're listening, Ilya, so still waiting for those tickets to uh, UFC Spain. Uh, But yeah, no, it's been really, really good. I think last week we questioned the integrity of Australian Survivor. Uh, The Survivor gods clearly heard us and they came back with three absolutely outstanding episodes. Um, For me, this shifted the entire balance of kind of the whole season. I'm now ready to declare formally for me, this is the best season of Australian Survivor ever. You know, regardless of who wins at this point, uh, for me, this is just bonkers. Bonkers. Never have I texted you so much with different emojis. <laughs> I feel like you have to wait a bit before calling that. Like, what if the next, like, three weeks of episodes are just an alliance picking off the other <laughs> group one by one? I I just don't believe that's true. I just... Yeah, no, <laughs> Not with this group of people. <laughs> yeah. The fact that we're at episode, you know, what will be 16 on Sunday... And I still have absolutely no idea, really, who's aligned with who, like, on a permanent basis. To me, that feels... (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. I loved it. And obviously, throughout these episodes, there were some really great sort of high-paced, high-action moments. Um, And some also some really emotional moments, I thought, which is really interesting to see kind of how it was handled um, by the Australian Survivor production team and cast as well. Yeah, completely agree. So uh, for me... Let's talk about the week as a whole quickly. The first episode I want to put aside for a moment. Um, I'm a bit conflicted on it in terms of what they presented to us, how they built up uh, blind sides, and then obviously what happens with Scott at the end. So I want to save that for its own moment to talk about that. But obviously we get the second episode where we have the the huge winner, Blindside, which I absolutely love. That was a 10 out of 10 episode for me. And then also we got the, the crazy episode <laughs> earlier on uh, where obviously Eason is on the receiving end of a very unfortunate uh, Blindside there. But, uh, you know, I, I've got some hot takes on that episode, which I'm excited to... Uh... <laughs> to share with you okay well if you can cut through me crying about eden going home that's fine that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I know here at the sit out bench we do love to kind of you know lead with humor and natural british charm and rugged handsomeness and you know all those things you've come to love from us <laughs> audience <laughs> but I, I do think it's important to talk about you know the really significant thing that did happen this week in episode 13 where we saw Scott actively choose to leave the game and to go home to maintain his own mental health. And I suppose if we put the game aside for a second in a way, I think for me this was a really important moment just kind of socially, you know, and there's so much happening at the moment around mental health, particularly men's mental health, um, to kind of see someone actively make that choice and for it to be portrayed in such a positive way. I felt like that was really, really meaningful. You know, this didn't feel to me like, Hannah quitting because she didn't have cigarettes or or Colton (laughs) quitting because, 
you know, he doesn't want to make another stupid comment. This this felt really, really good, I thought, Matt. Yeah, I completely agree. I was very concerned at Tribal where, you know, the way JLP sits back and he says, so are you saying you're quitting? I was like, oh no, you know, how is this going to be handled? But I really did love the lengthy section that we got after the break where Scott obviously does decide to quit and we hear from himself and also the rest of the cast about their feelings on the situation and also how everyone supported him. I thought that was really, really nice. So obviously from us, we completely feel that Scott's decision to leave the game is valid. We completely understand what he was going through and that it was the right choice for him. And at the end of the day, you know, some of the things I've seen on social media comments about it, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, you yeah. need to remember that these are real people playing the game and, you know, you have to accept when someone decides that it's the right thing for them to take themselves out of that situation. Yeah, all the comments around, he took my spot. I find that super icky, man. Like... Yeah. The worst one I've seen is he was selfish for ruining a good blind side. Oh, mate. <laughs> I think it's, uh, is it is it Ron Weasley who says to his mother? She needs to sort out her priorities. Yeah, baffling, baffling. I... I think what I found massively interesting, and you pointed this out, is that for me watching the episodes, I felt like it was really sprung on me out of nowhere. Like I felt like we got no real indications until the last five minutes that Scott's really, really been struggling. And you pointed out that his exit interview with Survivor Now podcast, you know, if you haven't listened to it yet, definitely go and check it out. He goes into a lot more depth about kind of some of the struggles he has um, and also about like how he's been medevaced earlier in the game. And I was just like, where the flip is this? Because, yeah. <laughs> because him leaving would have made so much more sense if we saw all of the stuff that kind of happens first. Um, and I get there are lots of exciting things happening in the game, but, you know, take a little bit more than five minutes at the end of the episode to, to tell me why Scott's struggling. Yeah, th- this was my prime issue with the episode is that I loved everything that came before it. I loved everything that came after it. But for me, you know, putting the two things together, there really should have been more focus on, on Scott in that episode. And uh, I know that Scott said in that exit interview that he's really happy with how uh, the show portrayed it, you know, in its honesty at that tribal council. But I do agree with, uh, I know that they had Nina on the podcast and she kind of felt the same as we do, that there should have been more time given to Scott to, you know, explain to the viewer the situation that he was in. Uh, but to also like, develop his character a bit more i mean i know they used him for narration to make sure that we knew who he was earlier on but i just feel like you know this is a big moment it's the first time really that we've had such an explicit mental health uh quit you know there's been some previously in survivor us you know like kathy and micronesia but even then that's kind of played off as you know a bit offhand like oh you know she's just a bit of a mental person type thing whereas this was the first time we've had someone be portrayed as a real human being and you know, someone that's really relatable in what they're going through. So I just wish they'd have shown us more of Scott, what he was going through, and for it to feel a little, you know, they shouldn't have tried to fake us out with this big boot and then all the drama if at the end of the day this should have been about Scott and his decision to better his own mental health. Yeah, 100%. And I think definitely I know one of the ambitions that Scott has is to use this as now as a platform to talk more about mental health, to break down sigmas. You know, if you don't follow him on Instagram, on X, you know, definitely make sure you do that. I think some really, really good stuff is going to come out from this. Um, That's way more important than him going another week in Survivor. That being said, the other significant thing that happened this week, you touched on it already, Matt. Once in a century is a man like Eden Bourne who has... (laughs) charm and wit and 
you know, is a pop culture god. This this was devastating, <laughs> a devastating blow for super fans everywhere that Eden was gone. I think the biggest loss of the season so far. Yeah, uh, surprising to me as well that, you know, usually when you have a character this big and they go home relatively, well, it wasn't relatively early, it was early in the grand scheme of things, you know, just at the merge, you'd have thought that they'd have tried to fit him in everywhere <laughs> that they could. But really, besides the first episode, a little bit there at the swap, but then it's just been the last two episodes where he's really had this this big edit where they've shown all of his wit and his charisma and his jokes. It was just surprising to me that this is all that we get of Eden. You know, I don't think it's probably going to be all that we get of Eden. I think he's definitely going to come back in the future. But just surprising for me that across this season, while this cast is great, that they didn't try and fit more, him, more of him in. Massively true. I thought at the start of this episode 15, when we started to see more of Eden, I was getting jacked up because I was like, this is the start of the Eden winner edit. Yeah. This is where he takes control. <laughs> it's up that snatch away. Massive merge episode. This is it. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Love it. Well, let's get into it then. Obviously, this week was Merge, and there's loads of really, really exciting things for us to break down um, as we go scene by scene with all of the spicy bits in between. And we kick off on the beautiful beaches of Samoa at the start of episode 13. Yeah, it feels crazy going back like this, because like to me, it feels so long ago <laughs> that we had episode 13 even though it's only been a couple of days since i watched it but uh yeah we start off back on the titans tribe where uh there's some sort of a confusion and a shock over kelly's admission that she is a psychiatrist <laughs> such a big moment it's really fun to see some fallout here we find out that after kirby has gotten rid of kelly who she decided she could no longer trust she's immediately going to turn the target back onto ferris <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about this point in the game that, you know, Kirby's kind of tossing up the benefits of staying rebel strong and uh, trying to carry on going after Ferris? Do you think there was an either way that was a better option or do you think that the merge came at the right time and put Kirby on the correct path here? Yeah, I think given the scenario that she's in, she's right to consider those kind of two options. If they did stay as two separate tribes moving forward, it would have been really, really natural, I think, to target Ferris. Um, you know, I think it was quite lucky in some ways that there was a consensus vote with Kelly. Um, otherwise, they could have torn themselves apart before we even got to merge. So I think she was right to kind of weigh up her options. But interested that, for me, Kirby starts to give up a lot of her own autonomy and a lot of her own agency and ability to choose. And this is the start, I think, of her deciding that actually it's more important to be rebel strong than it is to kind of be Kirby strong. Um, and that's, I think, maybe the, the incorrect move. It's not to drop a battle axe against Ferris. I think here she starts to choose to not play as hard, but instead to play safely with numbers. And I think we see over the next couple of episodes how that kind of sort of plays out in her favour. So there's a couple of things with Alex before we get to the merge that I want to talk about. First of all, something that I was wondering about, Alex obviously swapped over and now we finally get to see him filling Valeria in on the, the viola blind side. And this is the start of... Uh, well, not the start, but this is the continuation of uh, Valeria's obsession with getting revenge for Viola over the next couple of episodes. And also the other thing was Alex gloating about being able to blindside Kelly and revealing his idol to all of the remaining players. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about this decision? I, I think we should hear from you first because I'm going to trash him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I don't hate it because... 
everyone who saw him find the idol is already telling everyone that he has the idol. However, I don't know that Alex knows that that is the case, in which case I'm not 100% sure of the benefits of revealing his idol, other than just to like try and be like, aha, I'm not an easy vote after all. But how did you feel about it? I felt much the same. I think on the Kelly part, I can't remember the last time I beat my daughter on Mario Kart. Mario Kart! Wee! And then put a post on Facebook about it. Like, you know... <laughs> it just doesn't happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> that to me felt like what Alex was doing, gloating about Kelly. Like, why claim a kill that no one's impressed by and just makes you look more like a dick? Like, truthfully, you know? <laughs> and obviously Alex isn't a dick. He's a nice guy, but that was a dick move. Um... <laughs> The idol part, I think, is is really, really interesting. You're right, a public idol doesn't do anyone any favours. But I suppose it's a little bit around kind of how you position it. And it would be really interesting to understand, did he try and approach everyone in the, you know, what was the rebels tribe and say, look, you all know I have an idol, but should we keep this secret between us and we can use it as a group? Or... I suppose there's just a there's a there's a moment I think where you can tell people to build trust rather than just telling people so everyone knows if that makes sense. But I don't think it would have gone particularly well for him either way. Um, I think we see over the next three episodes. It doesn't matter if Alex has an idol or not because he has zero win equity at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. Unfortunately, I think Alex is probably someone that we could see in the the losing finalist spot unless he manages to you know sort of whittle his way down to him and a few of the other smaller players and then he can pull a few big moves out while doing that but I think uh, right now he's not sitting in the the best position in the game to win we then get the merge where everyone comes into the clearing Uh, JLP tells them to drop their buffs and then we obviously get a few questions Uh, Eden gets a lot of confessionals about reaching the merge and how excited he is as a fan Uh, and then we also get a lot of Valeria content and the music when she speaks is like soaring and like yeah. dramatic, like depending on what she's saying. It's a lot of over the top content. I just feel at this point, given who we have left, if Valeria does win, it's probably one of the most obvious winners edits of all time. <laughs> just the amount of focus that we're getting on her. You know, there was a few hints of negativity this round, which I found, you know, maybe that makes it a little bit more interesting, but. You know, as it stands, if she does win, I'm just going to be like, well, <laughs> could have called that from the third episode. <laughs> yeah, I'd massively agree with that. Valeria's edit is showing that she is a main character with a lot of win equity, someone who do really, really well. I find Valeria's whole arc really interesting, the kind of the, the revenge for Viola um, and wanting to join back up with Mark. You know, she definitely has a clear narrative and I think she'll have a clear story to tell at the end if she can do that really, really successfully. Um, I was really interested by this kind of merge thing. And obviously it's something that a lot of people say, you know, that making merges on people's kind of survivor bucket lists. And Eden has a couple of his confessionals are really about that. I've always really equated that with kind of two things. One, yes, it's like a new portion of the game, you know, where things kind of step up. It's an individual game. But I always thought a really big part of that is because you're now more likely to be on the jury where that is not the case for these people. Apparently making merge means, oh, three people are still going to go home before there's even a jury member. And I found that really odd that it didn't come with that. We merged and now the jury's in play as well. And it did make me wonder if they're setting up some sort of a twist at the end about, you know, how many people will be on the jury, final two, final three, etc. 
the US does this as well at the moment, where there's this particular brutal spot where you merge, but you're not really merged. It's like the merger Tory. That person goes, they're not on the jury. But then also the last couple of seasons, the next person to go is also not on the jury, which I find bizarre. I I don't know. I don't think there's any point in making the merge if you're not going to make the jury, personally. I think I'd rather go pre-merge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk about um, the merge reward challenge, then. Now, we have a, a massive reward here. It's the, the 60k over 12 months. You know, if you win this, you know, do you really care if you win the game after <laughs> <laughs> I love the set of life rewards. I love that they did it and they were really open about this kind of in the challenge. So in the last couple of seasons, so A Survivor Blood versus Water, Khan won the set for life challenge. Um, and he immediately got voted out at the tribal council afterwards. Um, so clearly they thought that was enough money for him. Um, and then at the in Heroes Australian Survivor, Heroes versus Villain, Villains, uh, King George won the set for life. But he won that at the auction. He won kind of a banquet and then was surprised at the banquet to see that he'd won for set for life. Um, you know, it's interesting. £60,000, a lot of money. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, that's... That's uh, that's sixty percent of what Matthew won for playing thirty five days. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a, it's a great award, especially a good one to celebrate the, the merge with. And um, what I did think though is they could have chosen a bit more of a an epic challenge that like required a little bit more. Instead, they just did the the classic US post merge endurance comp of balance a ball on a bow. I mean, the bows were much bigger than in the US version, but <laughs> as Australia likes to go bigger <laughs> in everything possible. But yeah, I just felt like this challenge was just okay. I mean, it was fun watching them all. You know, there was some cool balance moments there, but for me, it wasn't that spectacular. <laughs> so what you're saying is that bigger isn't always better? Well, it may well be, but not when... Like, you know, is one big matchstick more exciting than a small matchstick? Not really. <laughs> I really like this challenge. I don't I think you're right. For a for the first challenge of the merge, it doesn't give that sense of kind of grandeur, but I really like that the first endurance challenge is not one that's built on strength and it's it's one I think that really plays to a lot of the individuals who maybe have sat in the background. I'm always confused how hard this one is. Because it feels like one that should be quite easy. Um, but we saw a couple of people drop out really, really quick, you know, just sort of sliding off early. But yeah, I did like this. And I loved that kind of that showdown that we got, especially between Scott and Valeria. And Scott, like, just looked so laser focused. I really thought he was going to take it to the end. Yeah, I also thought Scott might win this. But uh, no, eventually Valeria does pull it out. Um, I did like Valeria's winning speech here, where she sort of, thanks the tribe for their support throughout the challenge, which, you know, over a few episodes of pretty poor social gameplay from Valeria, especially at Tribal Council, this is uh, a moment where we see that the positive social gameplay that's got her into a somewhat decent position to begin with. Let's talk about the bed at camp, because this is very San Juan del Sur. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the, the contestants getting a literal bed plonked on the island? For them? Oh, I think it's horrendous. Like, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I don't think it's... It can't be very nice. Like, <laughs> don't be wrong, I'm glad they didn't do the whole, like, Kim from One World showering. You know, I didn't want to see Valeria showering. I always find those money <laughs> moments super uncomfortable. 
Um, so I'm glad she came clean and ready for bed. But I'm just like not convinced that as soon as she got in the bed, it wasn't like covered with sand, and, yeah, like super nasty. <laughs> the biggest thing I think as well is it separates you from 13 other people that have just met and started forming relationships. Like, you know, you don't really know someone until you spooned them. And then that's yeah. the moment where, you know, can I trust this person or not? So I didn't mind it. I did think there was a shot where they showed the oil lamp. And I was like, oh, is there going to be an advantage in there? Is there going to be something in there? For me, if there's an advantage in that reward, it makes sense. If it's just about giving someone a bed for the night, yeah, hard pass. I'm someone who hates feeling dirty. So I feel like as soon as I felt clean, I'd then feel dirty again for another week. And I don't necessarily know <laughs> that I'd want that. <laughs> but um, you brought up a good point about separating you from the game. And we forgot to mention that as part of this reward, Valeria actually has immunity and gets to not vote, but watch the tribal council, which I'm not sure that's an advantage because what if the numbers are tight and then yeah. you can't vote? But oh well. We find out that Tassie is the new tribe name, uh, which was Samoan for one, I believe, that Scott chose that one. I thought this was quite a weak tribe name. <laughs> you know, we, we've talked before about the kind of the apprentice vibes that sometimes the merge names give. Tassie to me is is a week it's, it's pretty it's pretty low you know? i feel like all tribe names are like kind of bad unless there's something really stupid like anila dam and whatever <laughs> oh i i don't understand what the benefit is of letting them tr- choose the merge tribe name um, I think it's just like a tradition since like the first US season and they're like paint the flag and choose your names and they just <laughs> carry on with it. <laughs> America. <laughs> the, the, the best slash worst one. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that I really loved um, that actually played a much bigger role than I was expecting it to when I wrote this note down but in Caroline's confessional she's wearing Nathan's jacket which I was like that's badass that she voted him out <laughs> and that she's wearing his jacket in the rest of the confessionals. But obviously, I think they showed this because it plays a much bigger role in the in the episode later on. I also liked Alex's pitch to a group of players about being willing to play the idol for others. Uh, obviously, he knows that he's sort of not really in an alliance at the moment, so I thought it was a good move to sort of build potential relationships with people. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's... just reading my notes out and just like... <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, you, you are right. Like, don't get me wrong. I need to be more positive about Alex. I need to be more positive because he's trying to make moves, but he's also just like, <laughs> he's also just like lying to people. <laughs> like, so he makes this sort of big statement, doesn't he? That he's going to, you know, he's willing to play his idol for other people. And obviously that's going to inform part of a plan later where Eden encourages Alex to play his idol for someone else, for Rihanna. And as soon as he's told that, he then pulls like this sarcastic look at the camera, like, why the flip would I play my idol for someone else? <laughs> and it, 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 yeah, it's surprising. Um, but I did, I did like the kind of the Mark Valeria winner moment. You know, that for me was kind of really impactful. Um, just seeing kind of the, how the truth of that Viola blindside really sparks the thought about, hey, this needs to be Kitty or Caroline next, really kind of cementing that, that rivalry and that crack that exists between those two factions. Yeah, I agree. And I specifically like what Mark was doing here, where he sort of, he plays on Val's like revenge tunnel vision scenario to sort of push her out in front of him and be like, 
yes, this is Val that's going to do this, even though it benefits me. I'll let her take the fall for it type of thing, which I think was smart because given his position before the merge, you know, he was kind of out in front in a bit of a precarious spot. So I like the fact that he's thinking about, you know, I need to fade into the background at this point. I think for me then that moves really nicely into the immunity challenge. Uh, the unveiling of the necklace, which I thought was fire. I really like this. That's I didn't think it was a girl's necklace. necklace. That was a, <laughs> I'd wear that necklace. <laughs> Probably not to the office, but you know after. <laughs> so this was the uh, the leg uh, like pull up <laughs> one, <laughs> and uh, I, I I really liked how you know quite a large portion of the cast here were like, nope, I'm not going to win this one, and just like <laughs> dropped out pretty quick. <laughs> Do you think this is going to come back to hurt them? Especially, actually, I'm really interested in your thoughts on does this hurt Kirby? Because Kirby's been quite vocal in these challenges. There's one here, and I think one in episode 14, where she's quite vocal about wanting to drop out. Do you think her not playing the physical part of the game is eventually going to be like, you know, part of her downfall or something that's held against her if it gets to the end? I actually think this might be a bit of a secret weapon for Kirby because we saw a lot in the preseason how she was wanting to pretend that she's not an athlete. So I think by not showing her actual potential in these endurance competitions and just being like, oh, I'm safe, this is hard, let me just drop out and act like, you know, the woman in her 30s who doesn't believe that she can do these (laughs) challenges. I actually think it's really smart because there's a lot of things that Kirby does over the course of this week's episodes where she's just sort of, I'll let everyone else do everything, let me sit back and not really do much let's get the heat off me a little bit. She doesn't want to play the the warring tribe faction leader at this point of the merge. She just wants to let where the chips fall fall and then decide what she wants to do with them afterwards. So I was pretty impressed with everything she did over these episodes. All in all, for me, this challenge did look super painful. Like the look on Mark's face from minute one. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the grimace, the, the sweats. Yeah, I really like this challenge. It was a nice sort of play on what usually happens where they're usually sort of lifting up an arm or something, aren't they? It's kind of to keep the ball from rolling down and, and out onto the floor. Yeah, um, I feel yeah. like Mark was, over all of the challenges in this week's episodes, he was just like destroying his body, looking so in pain while like Jade and Awar and the other <laughs> big guys was just standing there like, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I was so surprised with Winner as well. That was really, really awesome. He did well in sort of all of the challenges that he was the individual challenges. Let's let's break down the big thing that happens there at the end with Jaden and Winner. Obviously, the last two contestants standing, and seemingly they're both in pretty good spots. They don't seem too you know, too bad, too sort of cut up about anything. Jaden declares this is a girly necklace. Winner says, "I love it." <laughs> And Jaden just says, flipping, take it then. And drops straight away. <laughs> what the hell is he doing? <laughs> and don't you dare tell me this is a smart move where he's lowering his threat level. <laughs> so, okay. So I think dropping out in general lowers your threat level. However, you know, by lasting until the final two and proving that you could go much further if it wasn't the fact that you don't like a necklace, I don't think that necessarily lowers your threat level. However... What does lower his threat level is the fact that he's willing to do something as crazy as this because people will think, well, clearly his head's not in this game then. At what point, though, is it not lowering your threat level? 
and actually perception is reality. <laughs> You're not playing the game particularly well. This is the thing. I think the fact that he's not doing it necessarily intentionally and the fact that while it, obviously he does stop playing, maybe, who knows, not really, lots to talk about later. Um, <laughs> when he does start doing that, is he really going to get to the end and be able to put together this argument of this? Or realistically, is he going to get to the end having not really played the game and not win? <laughs> that's, the, that's the question. I thought it was a blow to his end game because I, I, there was a small part of my heart that believed he could win. And the route to victory was, I've won every single individual immunity. I've been great socially. Yeah, all right, I was pretty crap strategically, but who cares about that? I've got two out of three. And every challenge he doesn't win damages my hope. <laughs> I don't think this in itself impacts his winning chances. That's, that's my take. <laughs> but yeah, well done, winner. Great to be the first uh, first individual immunity winner. In a long uh, line of episodes here again, we find out that the Titans want to try and target Raymond. <laughs> How many times are we going to see people want to take a shot at Ferris and instead of just voting for Ferris... They vote for Raymond. Like, yeah. I don't necessarily know what is to gain. Maybe they're like, we have to keep Ferris in to give Kirby something to worry about, or what. But I don't understand this fascination of taking out Raymond. And like, Eileen seems like a much bigger threat anyway. So if you want to take out one of Ferris's side people, but not him, surely you go for Eileen. I don't know. It's confusing to me. <laughs> yeah, I have a huge soapbox moments, soapbox moments on this, which I'm I'm happy to do now. Because um, I think we have pivoted too far. We've pivoted so far to the point now in Australian Survivor where everyone thinks they're such a big threat that they need to keep other big threats around as shields. And it's completely messing up people's games because what they're doing is they're taking really dangerous people really deep and then surprised when they get taken out. Like Eden's perception of himself, right? is that he's this huge threat. And so he needs people like Ferris and Kirby and Caroline around to lower his threat level. That's 100% the wrong read. No one thinks you're a threat. And so you need to take out the big players now. And I get why people do it and they need shields and you you don't want to go too early and become the main target. But I think this has now swung too far where, like you said, why are we targeting Raymond multiple weeks in a row? (laughs) Like... (laughs) And the fact that they've not even been able to get rid of Ray. (laughs) (laughs) If anything, this is just building up Ray's resume. (laughs) But also, it leaves yourself so open to being blindsided because if some of your group are thinking, hang on, why are we getting rid of Raymond when this person's offered to help me get rid of a bigger threat, then why are you going to stick with the Raymond vote? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And who do you want to keep? So this is the other thing, right? Let's say you break down Ferris's power structure that sits around him. Do you want to be in a position where Ferris, who maybe it's more persuasive and understands the game more, can come and try and split or take a uh, take a minority from you and form a new majority alliance? Or do you want someone like Ray, who's you know not going to have the same charisma and the ability to do that? For me, you want to keep the weaker players in so there's less likely they're going to be able to successfully blindside you down the line. It's, yeah. For the first few weeks of this game, we know that I've hung my hat on the production is helping Ferris theory. <laughs> <laughs> and um, although I still think that's a possibility... 
like, it kind of has left me like wearing like coal tinted glasses on Ferris. Like, cool. I thought he was an okay player, but I just thought, oh, he's just this guy who's finding idols and production likes him. But actually, I feel like this week we saw a lot of actually why Ferris is a much better player than I had been giving him credit for. Uh, there's quite a few things adding on to last week's minority split vote, which, you know, he had some really great reads, he made the right moves. You know, he's clearly quite a good social player. So I think that that just adds to the, to his threat level as well. Yeah, we don't do our cast capital episodes anymore, but he's definitely a stock riser in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Some flipping awesome reads. Um, I found it really interesting that kind of that, as one group is kind of plotting the split between Ferris and Raymond's, it's Kirby who's trying to like pull the votes against Kitty. And I kind of felt like Kirby was doing this more to win favour with Valeria than she actually disliked Kitty, in my eyes. It was just kind of, I like Valeria. Valeria wants one of these people out. Let's get out of Kitty. Um, it didn't seem, very altruistic maybe is the word to go with. Yeah, I think you're right, but I also think it's a much better move than that because there's two other things, I think. First of all, Kitty is a much better social player than Caroline, and that seems to be supported by uh, what everyone's saying on the island. And also, Rihanna has this connection to Kitty as well. So I think if you're Kirby, you know, taking out Re, not taking out Re, taking out Kitty kind of solidifies Rihanna to you as this ally that doesn't have any more strings to sort of be careful around. So I thought it was a really good idea. How did you feel then around Scott's? Obviously, when Scott gets told the plan, Scott's feels really conflicted, maybe is the nicest way to say that. Um, and why is he conflicted? Because he'd rather back the energy from someone that he's felt over two days um, than the alliance that he's been building for 21. Yeah, I mean, straight up, I don't think this happens if he's not struggling. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really think, you know, if we listen to his exit interview, he actually says that, you know, on the merge night, he had a really long chat with Kitty and they were kind of getting on well and they were talking about his emotional state. So I really think that it all played into that and I don't think he would have been quite so chaotic in the way he handled the game if it wasn't for that. I think it really does prompt the game to move in a really interesting way. Um, and the most surprising part for me was like how direct... Kitty and Caroline were after they found out that she was the target in kind of approaching people and saying, I've just heard my name. <laughs> like they, they, they just lacked a little bit of tact for me. Yeah, they're, they're definitely uh, straightforward workers. Uh, I love that um, they basically asked everyone what was going on and everyone was like, no, I haven't heard that. <laughs> and I think what, while it is a bad social tactic, what it does do is allow you to get like a jump scare read on people <laughs> like don't give them time to hear oh Kitty's heard a name you know just tell her this like if you just go up to someone and say I know I'm the vote what is happening then you can just you can get a better read on whether they're lying to you whether they're making something up on the spot or whether they're telling the truth yeah and Mark's defense that no I haven't even talked to Scott is uh it's not as watertight as Mark might think <laughs> It's not great. And uh, obviously it gets even worse where Scott decides when he gets approached by Kitty and Caroline and they're like, give us a name. Who said it then? Who said it then? He says, well, Mark and Valeria were the ones who said it, which I think is a great move from Scott's perspective because obviously 
Val is someone who is climbing up in Kirby's ranks, who is becoming a problem for his position within that alliance. Uh, but also because it absolves the OG Rebels of any blame at all as well. Yeah. I was really excited going into kind of the Tribal Council. I thought this was gearing up to be so, so interesting. And I really didn't know where people were going to go, especially after Eden was saying, you know, should we cancel the split? Should we all go for Raymond? I was, yeah, yeah I, I could have gone any which way in how the votes were going to go. A really good build-up, I thought. Um, and like you said, it played into this, up to this point, being a real cracker of an episode in terms of moving the story forward. Yeah, and just before Tribal, we also get the uh, Valeria's uh, Angelina scene, Caroline, can I have your jacket? <laughs> where she walks out of the shelter wearing Nathan's jacket and Caroline's like, what are you doing? Take that off. I can't believe I forgot that. Beautifully bad social play from Caroline there. I actually love Caroline's. Like, when we were looking at the cast assessment, you would not think, oh, that is some golden casting, but she's just been giving every single episode. Yeah, dude. I think she's starting to wig out pretty hard. Like, the longer she's out there, the more crazy she She's <laughs> losing it. Yeah. But I think she's still, like, maintaining her strategic mind. I think she's just losing her sense of, like, morality and right and wrong. <laughs> kind of what, what is just. Oh, And I love that she was, like, saying, like, that is the only thing that keeps me warm. Don't get it wet. If you walk around in it, it's going to get wet. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. She's holding out for that one last comfort that she has. <laughs> Credit to Nathan for leaving his jacket. Way to go for it, you know. Don't be Natalie. Give someone your jacket if you're leaving the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk tribal then because uh, there's quite a lot to talk about here, but specifically surrounding Kitty. <laughs> First of all, stating that she's much more of a threat than people think she is, which, you know, <laughs> you're being underestimated, let it be that way. <laughs> then she has this brilliant line about the fact that she has multiple uh, businesses that are going to be bringing in eight figures each within the next year, which, you know, gets some raised eyebrows. <laughs> Perhaps a good way to get taken to the end, but not the, not the best social breed there. And uh, also, I loved her line, I'd rather be remembered, which is brutal considering her editor for the <laughs> Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> that's so right. <laughs> yeah, she went whole hog at this tribal council. Um, all of those points... She she must be an intimidating person in real life. Like I feel like I got a glimpse of her in kind of like the business world as she was talking about all of the things that she has done. I was like, man, I would not want to mess with you. You seem ferocious. Yeah, um, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I think it's it's an interesting move. It's it's a bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it depends what her long-term game is. So if Kitty's long-term game is to draw really hard lines, um, then I think this is actually quite an interesting move and a, and a good way to do that. We find out probably in episode 14 that she says that this was kind of just a bit of a, a reaction. She was a little bit upset. It was more reactive maybe than planned. Um, but yeah, if you're going to blow up your game, 
<laughs> that's the way to do it, I think. Just uh, really lean into it. It's a shame that we've not seen much of Kitty, though, because every time she is on screen, she provides some great moments. Yeah, and not to lean into the edgic, I think that's because Caroline's just going to go further than Kitty, and so they're choosing... Because their, their storyline is so intertwined, it feels yeah. very much like um, Island of the Idols. It wasn't because Tommy was particularly interesting. He was getting all of the confessionals. It was just, you know, they had to play that voice because he was going to go so far and, and be the eventual winner. She might not even, like, go before Caroline. It might just be that Caroline's the one that is driving the moves in their in their duo and then after Caroline's gone, Kitty maybe doesn't really get much done or she moves over to a more dominant player that's not Caroline. Who knows? But, yeah, I don't think we're going to see too much more in terms of Kitty. I think that leads us then really nicely into Scott kind of making his declaration and choosing to leave the game. Um, and, you know, we covered at the outset kind of some of our thoughts and feelings on that. Um, from a from a gameplay perspective, I think it does some really interesting things. Um, obviously, the big thing is at this point, you know, lines still haven't been drawn. People don't know where they are. Kirby has lost a huge alliance member for essentially nothing in a way. And so I think it definitely shifted the game in more ways than just just one person leaving. What it also does, you know, we see in the next episode that it's creating a larger amount of paranoia that, you know, people don't really know who is going to vote with who. And it allows people the second chance to say, hmm, maybe actually I'll do something different instead as well. Quick and Requiem of Scott. I think I'm definitely going to remember his challenge prowess on that particular puzzle um, with gradients. Um, never has a man with such fine eye for detail, been on Survivor. So I think <laughs> I think there's definitely going to be an element of positivity. Um, and Scott, for me, is someone who I would like to see back. I wouldn't want his experience with his, you know, maintain, maintaining his well-being to be the thing that stops him from coming back in the future. I think, you know, well up for a Scott season two. Yeah, I agree. I think he was a solid uh, social player. We saw him do some good work with Kirby. There's also quite a lot of stuff in his exit interviews that suggests there was a lot more going on as well that we didn't get to see. And uh, yeah, I think he's a player that had promise and I think it's a shame that he had to pull himself from the game. But I think that just lends itself to an even better second chance storyline as well. Straight into episode 14. And we pick off pretty much where we left off, don't we, with Kitty regretting kind of some of her behaviour. And of course, Caroline in floods of tears, <laughs> unable to lie next to Mark. <laughs> yeah, when we start with Caroline crying, I was like, oh, what's happened here? And then she says uh, that she was shafted by Mark and Val at Tribal. And I was thinking, oh, maybe, you know, something more concrete happened that we didn't really see. But then when she runs to Kitty and says, I can't sleep next to Mark. <laughs> Incredible moment. And I also love how she she says, what is it she says now, but it's so funny. She says, she says something in confessional, like, I haven't even made a move on him or I haven't even thrown his name out or something. Yeah. And it's, it's totally pot and kettle. She... Yeah. <laughs> Like, don't get me wrong, she came for Viola because Viola was coming for her. Like, I can't knock her for that. But the idea that she's done nothing to kind of warrant this, it's like just totally absurd. So funny. (laughs) I do think it's going to be interesting as she goes deeper into the game 
you know, she's going to have to cut more people that are close to her if she does continue to go deeper. Yeah. I don't know if she's got <laughs> the stomach, maybe, <laughs> for for some of the, the things that might happen at the final tribal council if she votes out a kitty or if she votes out a re. You know, I think I think that might be hard for her to hear maybe some of the criticism of her. Yeah, it seems like we've got... There's two very interesting sides to Caroline's personality. There's the fully strategic, you know, she hasn't messed with me, confessional giver. Uh, and then we also get this very emotional side. So I do think, you know, she got under fire at Final Tribal. It'd be interesting to see whether she could hold herself into a more strategic persona or whether she did start to break down there. My my money's on the uh, <laughs> the breakdown part. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind, though, to be honest, the next morning, how much uh, Kitty and Caroline were scrambling. I thought it made sense. They clearly recognised they were on the outs. Better to do something um, to try and force the action. And I think ultimately their scrambling is what's going to save them. So I think a good lesson maybe for future that, you know, scrambling doesn't always make you look weak and desperate. I think sometimes it's just like a necessary part of the game. And I think they did that really well, having conversations with everyone following, you know, quite a intense tribal council the night before. I think Caroline and Kitty are very interesting as players and that they both have their very obvious weaknesses, but I actually think overall that they are quite strong, decent players as well. Definitely. Particularly as they, you know, coming into the season, we were worried maybe more so about Caroline than Kitty. Are they going to fall into that older woman archetype? Um, yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I was also impressed by Eden this episode where he'd sort of left the doors open to be able to escape the the middle-aged mafia, where he's sort of easily able to go to Mark. And, you know, they still have that relationship, despite the fact that Eden was in on the blind sides on him. And I thought, you know, they both played it well in that they were open to working with each other still. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen Mark and Eden commit more to that relationship as their primary alliance, because they do seem to be able to communicate really well about the game and about the moves they want to to make sort of moving forward. How, how grating is it, just out of interest, Matt, that Eden seems to constantly sip his water bottle as he's having strategic conversations? You know, do you find that grating to watch or is it? I did not even notice that. Have you not noticed it? No, that's definitely a you, Peppy. Okay, I think we might have to put out a compilation of this on Instagram because, like, it is constant. It's like... It's like a baby with a dummy. Like whenever he is having like a significant strategic conversation, his like go-to defense mechanism is just to like gulp water down. I'll I'll make a compilation. I'll send it to you. It's really it's really interesting. To be fair, I was watching this on the cross trainer. So maybe I was also gulping water down. <laughs> <laughs> you were manifesting yourself through Eden. <laughs> I was. Or, or I was about to pass out, so I didn't even notice. <laughs> um, well, speaking of doing tough things, let's go to the immunity challenge. <laughs> um, so essentially, players had to hold onto a rope over the ocean, balancing on a knot. Um, at various different points, they had to move themselves up onto slightly smaller knots. Last man standing wins. This looks horrendous. Like, absolutely freaking horrendous. Because this one, to me, really stuck out as, like, a painful challenge. Not only painful, but actually, like, technically quite difficult as well. Like, it's so much harder to stand on just a ball of rope than it is to stand on an actual platform. 
Yeah, I thought the right move here, I was surprised more people didn't wedge toes in. I thought that was the go-to move, but lots of people were sort of monkey-feeting it, <laughs> kind of <laughs> balancing. <laughs> yeah, and like the, the legs crossing round, like the tight grip on the rope by the knees, that type of thing. Yeah, and it feels like one that should be easy, but obviously the results, proof's in the pudding, Yorkshire pudding, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we uh, we see more of the same with this challenge. Kirby obviously again decides, oh, this is hard. She drops out within the first group of people. Uh, when Valeria drops out, we get a lovely glare from Caroline <laughs> in the edit. Uh, Eden's transition fall, oh, yeah. very brutal, <laughs> painful. <laughs> and also, I want to bring up Rihanna here because she doesn't get too much of a big edit across these episodes, but she's making herself way too much of a threat by being like the last two or three people in every single one of these challenges. I'd massively agree with that. Yeah, she is showing that, especially for endurance challenges, she's really dominating. And I thought it was just really telling how, like, mentally locked in she was in the challenge. And for me, if I was there with her, that's probably the most scary thing, that she seems to be able to lock into this zone of, I'm not feeling pain, I'm not worried about what's going to happen. And there was a point where she was, like, looking over at them and she was like, I can do this all day. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't even feigning stress. Because if I'm in that game and I'm thinking, okay, let's look who's the big threats in the game. Uh, You know, Mark, Ferris, you know, Jaden's a physical threat. If we get to a point where these people have been voted out, then Rihanna's going to win every challenge to the end. So to me, like, even though Rihanna shouldn't really be on people's radars because she's playing quite UTR but also is left out of quite a lot of votes like she's making herself way more of a threat than she needs to be yeah but she should be way more of a threat in a way like she has an idol (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. but I do think let's let's watch this space to see how how committed she is to kind of the challenge prowess moving forward and, and whether some of those other challenges may be that aren't suited towards balance and endurance. Maybe that levels out the playing field slightly. Um, but I thought it was an impressive win from her here in this immunity challenge. Yeah, great job, Riri. I'm proud of you. Hopefully that's mean something to you. <laughs> <laughs> After the challenge, we find out that Kirby and Rihanna are planning to ride the middle until they have the numbers, but also interestingly, Kirby gives Rihanna permission to vote with a separate group of people to her, which I don't know how you felt about this, but I thought it was quite smart. I, I don't think I've landed where I feel about it yet. <laughs> so I think, is it smart? Yes. I think it's smart from two angles. One, you know, allow someone to use their agency, allow them to feel like they own their game. That makes sense to me. Why not? And do I really think that Kirby thought that Riri was going to vote a different way? I probably don't think that she did. I think it was more just, you know, do what you want to. But ultimately, landing in a place where your number one is part of another alliance, I think is a strong position to be in. It's, it's great to be able to have information from both sides and then pick where you want to be. I think the only wrinkle for me is that <laughs> Rihanna doesn't get the information. She doesn't know what's happening. And so really, all you've done is lose a round, but you've not gained any insider trust with the other alliance here. Yeah, that's true. I think it doesn't necessarily work out this time around, but I agree with your other points on that's why I think it's clever as well. So 
I thought it was a good idea. It didn't really play off too well here, but nonetheless, decent decision. It's kind of baffling to me. I know I'm probably jumping ahead, mate, so sorry, but Ree feels very close to Caroline and Kitty. Um, After just a short amount of time after being on a swap tribe with them, whereas Caroline and Kitty obviously don't feel that same level of loyalty to her or to Alex. Now, Alex, I kind of get, you know, he's a free agent. They don't really know him. But to not bring Rian on the plan, I found a really interesting choice. You know, they actively, in my mind, chose to shut down a relationship with her moving forward um, and kind of draw a firm line. And, and that, I do think, was a mistake from Caroline and Kitty when they're thinking about who do I want to join in on this vote um, to get potentially winner or mark out. We see her in the next episode how that sort of plays badly for them because I think Rihanna being in on the vote for the, the third episode could have potentially helped them there. But yeah, so let's talk about the, the two vote plans for this episode then. First of all, Valeria decides to switch the vote to Caroline because Kitty is paranoid enough, so let's keep her in the game while she's <laughs> paranoid and switch it on Caroline. How did you feel about this? Because I thought, you know, pros a misdirect for a potential idol, but cons for me, everything else. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually didn't see a huge amount of cons with this. I thought Caroline seems like the stronger player, maybe. There seems to be a bit more aggression between the two of those, so I didn't mind it from that side. And I thought the read on the idol was right. There are three idols in the game. I think it's maybe a fair assumption to say is potentially one of those somehow going to be played? You know, does Alex want to make a big move? And if we load up on Kitty, then... So I, I didn't mind it. I thought, actually, to me, there wasn't a huge amount of cons. So interested in what you thought the cons were. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I just felt like the act of changing the plan, confusing people, um, maybe irritating a few extra people. I don't know. You've kind of convinced me that it's it's Okay. i did think the whole sort of caroline and kitty thing i this might just be an editing thing but i thought those scenes where they initially said kitty and then they changed it to caroline was exactly the same scene and they just split it into two different parts in the episode to make it look like something had changed maybe i was wrong in that but they seem to be standing on the same beach to be fair, all the beaches well have happened. Yeah, all the beaches in Samoa look the same. So. <laughs> we see Caroline Kitty's scrambling payoff here when they go to Ferris. You know, they give him a long list of names, which I thought was really good. The fact that they weren't pushing one specific person to go, and uh, obviously when they say winner, Ferris bites because he wants to get rid of Winner, who's obviously someone fairly close to Kirby. Yeah, Winner, that big strategic threat that's been looming over the season all along. <laughs> I think Winner's probably a good social player. We just didn't really see much of it. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I I think I was just surprised that Ferris was more excited about the prospect of getting out Winner than he was of Valeria or Remark. Um, they seem like the more obvious moves, maybe. Um, but maybe they're right. Maybe it's about weakening a power structure. But I love this from Ferris's perspective. I love choosing to, to uh, swap ships, to go rogue, to join the Rebel Alliance, whatever you want to call it. 
I thought this was a really, really good read. And also, I think, spoke really highly of his ability to build social capital inside the Rebels tribe, or the OG Rebels, to bring them with him, or the majority of them with them on this vote, your Raymonds, your Eileen's. And in some ways as well, Rhi, I think, you know, I think she would have been swayed by knowing Ferris was there, even though she doesn't get the right name. You know, I think it's it's still impactful. Yeah, I agree. I think this was like a, a win-win-win-win for Ferris, because obviously <laughs> he gets Caroline and Kitty and Eden as potential numbers to play with. He gains the majority over Kirby's side. And also this idea of leaving Alex and Rhea out, it kind of makes sure that they're not going to be more loyal to Caroline and Kitty than they would be to him as well. So I just thought, you know, this was great. It got rid of people that were on Kirby's side, but also Titans. So it's not like he's losing any of the OG Rebels as well. I just thought it was great from all angles. Yeah. Were you pretty convinced going into Tribal Council that everything had been cemented, that it was winner going home? Um, Fairly, yeah. I mean, the, the only thing that could have screwed it over in my mind was the potential of Rihanna not voting for Mark and just chucking her vote with Kirby. That was the only thing really that could have messed it up. But they didn't really set up anything else to happen, I didn't think. That would have been super interesting, just thinking about that. If she did go with Kirby, so you have a a six six one one. Or yeah. I suppose it's six six one, sorry. Six six one. Alex has to revo. <laughs> yeah, geez. What way does Alex go in that scenario? <laughs> I guess Alex doesn't really have any relationship with Winner because he hasn't really been on a tribe with him, so he probably does vote Winner there. Yeah, I think you have to vote Winner in that scenario because what do you gain by flipping back on the other alliance? You've just annoyed two people, or two two alliances now. (laughs) You didn't vote with one initially, and then you flipped your vote on the next one. Yeah, and how did you feel about uh, Winner going home? Because for me, originally, I was like, oh, has Kirby took her foot off the gas when she shouldn't have? Because obviously winner was within her numbers but then i thought you know if if anyone's gonna go having it be an og titan and having the titans be all split kind of helps kirby's game yeah for me those two aren't mutually exclusive i I definitely think kirby has taken a foot off of the the gas for me this is the second vote in a row where she has given up power to valeria and tried to do something that pleased valeria rather than something that advanced her own game. So I definitely think that she's being more passive. Now, whether that's a conscious decision or not, to try and not seem as threatening, that's fine. I don't think that's the right move for her. I think she's got this far by being very brash and by being very... uh, by wanting to make sure she controlled the votes. I think that's a good characteristic for Kirby. Um, Equally, though, I don't think this damages her long-term prospects because ultimately she wants to set up a scenario where it's OG Rebels, really, I think. And she could create a point where it is her, re Alex versus Ferris, Eileen, Raymond's. Um, and I think probably Eileen or someone is more likely to flip in that, that kind of scenario. So I didn't think it hurt her end game, but I do think she's being too passive. Yeah, that's fair. I'd agree with that. So uh, before we move on to the next episode, there's three last things that I wanted to point out. Uh, Obviously, we've got to draw attention to Valeria's brutal takedown of Caroline, which uh, factors a lot into the the next episode. Joe, anything to add to that other than bad social play? Yeah, Yeah, it's 
it was very unnecessary. <laughs> it was super, super unnecessary. <laughs> you don't deserve to be here. Is the yeah. Like, like you still want to be friends with these people after the game, I think. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, <clears throat> she's going to kind of comment that some of this is just kind of her personality, maybe kind of the environment that she was raised in. She's very direct and very kind of abrasive, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think I've been surprised by Valeria on multiple occasions um, at how she's burnt down bridges with other tribe members. Yeah, I agree. And you think especially after that's what got Charles taken out of the game, you'd think maybe she'd be a little bit more aware of that. A little bit softer. (laughs) And then uh, obviously I want to give Queen Eileen her dues. She was unceremoniously removed from this week's episodes, but we did get the beautiful, I hope you enjoy your clarity tonight, voting (laughs) confession. (laughs) But the big thing I wanted to ask you was, in the next time clip for this episode, we get Jaden finally ready to play the game he's gonna make this move what did you think was gonna happen when you saw this i was openly laughing <laughs> <laughs> mainly at the shadow boxing um yeah, yeah I, I had no little faith that he was going to um he was going to pull anything so pleasantly surprised by what happens but like in the next time clip when they shame Jaden. I genuinely had no faith whatsoever that he was going to turn into a strategic powerhouse. (laughs) Sorry, Jaden, friend of the pod. (laughs) So before we move on, I think this is a really great time to move to a new fun segment where we test Matt's superfan knowledge of Survivor. Um, So in Survivor history, lots of people will remember the Merge Boots, Um, So usually it's a really significant individual who goes home, potentially a challenge beast or a physical threat, or or there's something big that happens to that tribal council that means that people remember the merge boots. However, I don't think many people remember the person who was voted out after the merge. So we're going to move to a segment which is called Connect 3. I'm going to ask Matt to identify three Survivor players who were all connected by a fact. In this case, these are the people who were voted out after the merge votes. So these are the merge votes plus one. So Matt, so. oh mate, this is going to be brilliant. So we're going to do Survivor season 43, 44 and 45. So you're looking okay. for those three individuals who was voted out after the merge vote. And I'm talking about like the official merge, not the merge Tory votes. So there are three individuals. I have clues. So if you get, so are we talking about the second members of the jury? Um, well, this is where it gets a little bit messy because they're not always the second member of the jury. So, so this is the person who gets voted out after the tribes have officially merged. That's the only way I can think to describe it. That is, that can you sense. tell me the person who went out before? Okay, fair. Yeah, I'll tell you the merge boot. Then you have to tell me who goes next. Um, Now, listen, you can get clues if you want to. So I have two clues that I can give you. Um, But So we'll do it a little bit like this. If you guess the person with no clues, you get three points. 
and every clue you need, it goes down. Okay, so one clue, you only get two points. Two clues, you only get one point. Okay, so let's start then with Survivor 43. So in Survivor 43, the merge boot was Dwight. Who was the vote after the merge boot? Um, was it that person? Was it Janine? It was Janine! <laughs> Fantastic, yes. Janine, who famously goes home after thinking that Dwight has taken out her idol, only to realise multiple episodes later that Jessie had her idol all along. That was really impressive. I was... <laughs> okay. Let's go then to season 44, potentially the trickiest one here. So in season 44 of US Survivor, the merge boot was Matt. But who was the person eliminated after the merge boot? Oh, this is hard. Um, I'm just trying to think who's in these tribes. The issue with 44 is the Tika Free get a huge edit. <laughs> yes. And everyone else is barely on the season. <laughs> Was it Brandon? It was Brandon! Holy hell, that's amazing! <laughs> Brandon. He's the only person that I could think of. <laughs> Former NFL player, Brandon played with physicality, obviously had a vicious rivalry with Kane in the pre-merge. I use viciously with very big air quotes because they actually <laughs> turned out to be quite good friends. Now, your super knowledge is crazy. Okay, this is, I think, the most easy one. Uh, season 45, the merge boot was Sifu. Who was the person voted out after the merge boot? Caleb. Yes, it was Caleb. Famously played his shot in the dark at the merge. Um, unfortunately, when it came to the next vote, everyone just piled on him again. <laughs> Despite it being that weird like split thing. But yeah. Wow, Matt. Three for three, nine points. Superfan title still reigns supreme. Well played. Thanks. If you'd have gone before that, I might have struggled. <laughs> I was convinced you were going to have to get some clues, especially for Brandon. <laughs> Very impressive. Okay, guys, let us know in the Spotify comments what should we do next to test Matt's superfan knowledge on the next Connect 3. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, episode 15, let's talk about about the way that Caroline handles Mark after Tribal. Because <laughs> Mark comes up to him and he's like, we might vote for each other a lot, but it sounds like he's about to be like, we still respect each other, we're willing to work with each other, whatever, whatever, whatever. And Caroline's just like, boom. <laughs> like, absolutely not. And she, yeah. she goes mental at him. Way too emotional, man. I think is. The... <laughs> I think Caroline is probably used to a nice, decently early bedtime. <laughs> we know that these tribals run late. These scenes where she's having an absolute meltdown are probably at like two a.m. <laughs> I feel like she's just that she's not about this early morning bedtime life. Oh, I would love that to be true. I would love in her postseason interview for her to just be like. I just needed a nap. <laughs> just a nap and a cup of cocoa. I would have been fine. <laughs> oh, so the next day we get Jaden's good morning Samoa beautifully sang line. 
How did you feel about that? <laughs> Listen, I I think Jaden is worth every penny <laughs> he's been paid to be there. Uh, great singer. I loved all of the Jaden montages at this point. I thought it was really really good. Even the the moment where Ethan is trying to like teach him, like you know, like a Mister Miyagi sort of Daniel son relationship. It was just great to kind of see to see Eden watching him sort of shadow boxing. I know it's later on that all of his montages had a real vibe of like a a 90s movie where the hero is preparing to face the final boss and <laughs> just kind of doing everything they need to do. All of the training, all of the singing. Yeah, very impressive. Agreed. So um, let's talk about Eden then, because I have no idea what you think about this because we haven't really spoken about it. But I personally believe... <laughs> that there is direct correlation between Eden making the misguided move to try and bring the Titans together and him going home at the end of the episode. 100%. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I thought you might have been like, no. It is the most bonkers decision. <laughs> Why? I don't get it. Like The worst part about it is it almost works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so painfully awkward and so painfully, like, just unnecessary. Right now, Eden is sitting in the majority. I get that he wants to kind of create, like, this open and fluid game, but yeah. it doesn't help him at all, mate. Like, yeah. He should have just kept this relationship with Mark on the down low and just decided, okay, we're in this alliance with Ferris, let's move forward with this, because I really do think Ferris would have been open to sticking with it. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> oh, maybe this is just the super fan though playing like next next level. You know, maybe maybe that works if no one is emotional like Caroline. But you know. yeah, like I get the matter of uh, the OG tribe starting numbers. You know, if you can get the numbers to outvote them and whatever, and I get that Ferris potentially has more control than the OG Titans do in that alliance, but. Uh, I just, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. And it just like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when he said it, <laughs> when I'm watching and he says it, I I did a, like a double take in real time. <laughs> like it, yeah. was, it was one of those moments for me where it just, it just didn't make sense, especially given... <laughs> The tears and the arguments and yeah. Like you've just heard Valeria tell Caroline, uh, as a six-year-old midwife, that she doesn't deserve to be there. <laughs> yeah. Jesus said, "Blessed are the peacemakers." So maybe Eden is a a religious man, and he is the Garden of Eden. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what's driving it. Who knows? I don't think so. I think it was just bad gameplay, but maybe we'll put it down to Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> but talking of driving it, let's move on to our car challenge. Oh, very nice. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and this is that um, the three heat race one that we see in the US quite a lot, where three different stages of the challenge, the winners of the first one move on to the second one and so on. I like that this was like a team challenge as opposed to an individual one, though. Yeah, I think big picture for me, 
I love that the car challenge still exists in Australian Survivor. Same. Oh, it's brutal that it's gone from US Survivor. It's so good. And and the whole car curse stuff as well, which is the extra layer of voodoo that adds into stuff. In terms of a challenge to win as well, like the Isuzu D-Max, that is... <laughs> that's a pretty big prize <laughs> like you know <laughs> for UK it's fans nice that's like winning like a Ford Raptor <laughs> like you know it's, <laughs> it's not it's not a small uh, small gift um, but yeah equally though on your point I love that it started off as a team challenge I think the kind of the different rounds worked really really well here um, and I think it gives everyone a really good shot I think to be part of winning the biggest prize of the season I agree. I haven't got much to add about this challenge, uh, apart from we get more of Caroline's beautiful terribleness in the in the challenges, <laughs> where she has to throw the thing. <laughs> I look, you know, when um, it comes down to Caroline and one other person, and they're trying to hook the balls through the the target, the monkey nut. Yeah, like I feel like Caroline could have got it if she wasn't to stop and watch. The other yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that was so good. Such good TV, and, and there's Kitty on the puzzle at the end as well. Just like no freaking idea. <laughs> and Kirby shouts out that Kitty's almost got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I thought, I don't know. Maybe it's the hunger, but I thought that puzzle looked pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Well. Listen, we're not there. We're not doing this in real time. But in terms of like <laughs> challenges, it seemed pretty clear there's words in the middle and there's a pattern on the outside. And to me, the logical part is <laughs> do, do the lines around the outside, then do the words. I don't think there was, <laughs> there was no need for anyone to deviate from that decision. Kitty works in eight figures, not in shapes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's gonna be the tagline of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the further insanity that occurs oh, when Mark dang. wins the car and he decides to follow through on Eden's plan to bring the Titans together. And um, he picks Kitty, which I was like, oh, might be a problem. But then he picked Val, and I thought it was only gonna be two picks. And I was like, well, you know, he could have picked Val first, but I don't think that's too bad. And then he gets told he gets a third pick and he picks Caroline <laughs> and Valeria's face. <laughs> this was just horrendous gameplay. Like, it was like top-tier tomfoolery. Like, it was just bonkers. Um, if you're standing there on the side, there's like there is no way that that is, that is not a strategic decision. <laughs> yeah. No way has he decided to subject himself to sit in at a barbecue <laughs> with three people who hate each other. <laughs> and it was just obvious from everyone's reactions, like, once they'd all left, like, why the hell would he take <laughs> Valeria and Caroline? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mark is heavily influenced by this idea of getting the Titans back on the same page, and it leads him to make a terrible choice at this moment. They, they clearly were not the right people to bring. It clearly wasn't good to do it so publicly. I have no problem with him using the the barbecue as a way to build the Titans relationship. But for me, 
you take Kitty, you take Eden, and you take Valeria. And yeah. if the four of you are on board, Caroline will be on board as well. I completely agree. And it's not like in the last four times he's had the opportunity to bring the Titans back together, he hasn't then gone and tried to blindside Caroline. Yeah. Again, so. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, this barbecue does not disappoint. Most awkward barbecue of all time. Because they didn't show them like enjoying it at any point. <laughs> it was like a two-minute scene. I don't scene. think they did enjoy <laughs> it at any point. <laughs> I'm so used to on a reward, you see like someone frying steaks and them tucking in and going crazy. There was just like painful, awkward silence. And then Caroline saying, you really hurt me, Val. <laughs> yeah, Caroline saying, you, you cut deep. <laughs> You destroyed my confidence and Val's just st- sat there like <laughs> nodding her head. <laughs> what do you want me to do? I'm Russian. <laughs> yeah. It felt like for the first like two minutes of content, Val just sits there and no point does she attempt to apologize. <laughs> yeah. I don't she could have so easily played it off as being like, Look, I'm so sorry. I thought you were going home and I was I was strategically trying to make myself seem solid with with that alliance, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. she could have gave it any old excuse, but instead she just sat there and she was like, "Yeah, I did that." <laughs> and Mark's face watching it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Like, credit to Mark for, I suppose. Oh, I don't even know what I'm saying. No credit to Mark. I don't think. <laughs> So yeah, Val finally apologises. How did you feel about the apology? I didn't think she was really apologising. <laughs> so I had an experience recently where where someone apologised to me. So I called them out on something. But their apology to me was, I'm sorry that... <laughs> I'm sorry that the things that I've said have made you feel yeah. upset. <laughs> I literally had this written down to talk about because I was going to say to you like what do you think an apology needs to contain to feel like a valid apology (laughs) okay this is easy right an admission of guilt an expression of sincere sincerity a commitment not to do it again (laughs) and then you flipping don't (laughs) those are the basic core tenets of a good apology (laughs) like apology lessons with Matt and Joe if you say Anything about, I'm sorry that you felt that way. I'm sorry that that happened. That is not an apology. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very good way to hedge your bets, isn't it? I'm sorry that you felt or you interpreted my actions as aggressive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At least she did it in the end. Like, I really, there was a a big part of me that thought she wasn't going to do it. Like, she was just going to, like, stick to it. I really thought she was just going to sit there (laughs) in silence. (laughs) Oh, man. I was quite surprised, though. We're going to find out later in the Tribal Council that actually that was quite healthy and that repaired a lot of damage. Me watching that scene as a fly on the window, I didn't think that did jack. (laughs) I thought they both came away from it really unhappy with each other still. Um, so it must have been meaningful, I suppose, to Caroline. Yeah, I think what we miss as viewers is the nuance of how these people behave around camp. So obviously, in terms of how Caroline had seen Val behave, this was a sincere apology. And uh, this wasn't out of character, whereas to us it felt kind of off. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't understand how 
Val usually operates and acts 24 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk then about your favourite montage of the episode, which is the emergence of Jaden as a strategic threat in this game with Addy's beautiful music. I wish they had the license for that. <laughs> Please, that's staying in. <laughs> yeah, this was um, brilliant. <laughs> in my mind, Jaden was staying up because he was so fueled by rage when it being voted out that it just gave him all this adrenaline that he turned into you know, getting strong. And I can hear the Rocky music. Getting strong now. <laughs> Working hard now. <laughs> See, for me, there was something about that paired with Eden sort of sitting up in the night and just nodding as he watched. It. Yeah. Like, there was part of me that made me like, when the sun goes down, Jaden's strategy activates. And then, like, all this was sort of him like working out his strategic mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and the shadow boxing. Oh, that's... <laughs> oh man! I love that the insanity of this guy, like pressing, like weightlifting a log in the pitch black. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! And I, I think it's so interesting that Eden's beating him up as well. If this guy becomes a strategic threat, we're all in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Eden is very excited. If only he knew. Yeah. (laughs) He's about to get snaked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I don't don't mind the Jaden revenge tour. Out of everyone, Winner was his obvious friend, you know. And that's, that's cool. I get that. The revenge tour. Yeah. Do I? <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he really even understood how Winner went home or why Winner went home. <laughs> <It's> no. Like... <laughs> I love that even though he's like hellbent on revenge, he's so unserious about it as well. Like <laughs> he, he doesn't care about this game. He's there to mess stuff up and he's just like, oops, YOLO. Eshe, <laughs> man. Eshe. <laughs> Brilliant. Let's talk about the immunity challenge then. This is another fairly standard one where it's the make the pole really long and stick the thing on top of <laughs> Sorry, Matt, the challenge is uh, make the pole long. <laughs> well, as JLP says at one point, 12 feet of pole right there, that's a lot to get under control. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, good challenge. Really liked it. I thought the trophy or the idol was a little bit bigger than it normally is, which kind of added another layer of kind of complexity, harder to balance. I liked how firm the poles looked and that they were grasping their poles well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you didn't have to tug the pole much to kind of get it in place. Oh, God. (laughs) Did you enjoy Raymond's variety of pole-based jokes throughout the challenge? (laughs) 
Raymond reminds me of a young man who thinks he's 43. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, the dad jokes were out of control. <laughs> Which was your personal favourite, Matt? Uh, I think the original where he said, "Can you, I can feel my poles. <laughs> and they had to keep repeating it because no one got the joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Raymond never change. <laughs> change. So, um, I haven't got anything else to add to that about the challenge view. The only one I I found really interesting, and listen, I'm not a scientist, but very interesting discussion about the sun's over there. So, how can it be in your eyes, Alex? And he said it's the glare from the clouds. Do, do clouds have glare? <laughs> Is that... Is that, does that happen? I feel like the answer is not no. Like, <laughs> like I feel like they would if you were staring at them for an hour. <laughs> um, maybe that'll be the Spotify question for the day. Yeah. Do clouds have glare? Yeah. <laughs> it... Which glare's more dangerous, clouds or Caroline? <laughs> yes. Yeah, give them some sunglasses. Don't need anyone to get blind out here from, from cloud glare. <laughs> oh god so Jaden wins the challenge um, he finally gets the immunity necklace and uh, this leads to Eden say that he's created a monster by teaching Jaden how to play the game <laughs> it's alive <laughs> in Frankenstein doesn't Frankenstein kill the scientist he wait Frankenstein is the scientist I can't remember. yeah Frankenstein's monster does kill Frankenstein, his creator. This is a perfect analogy, actually. This is yeah. this is exactly right. Because Frankenstein kills Frankenstein's monster's wife, which in this case is Winner, and then comes back to avenge him. Holy heck. This is beautiful. This is all a this is art. This is all a setup. This is <laughs> they're, just, they're feeding us plot lines that we've heard before. This is <laughs> There are only four plots. Let's, let's listen. <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, that's, uh, I, I like I like Bay from Eden. In his mind, he has created, I think, an asset as him moving forward. Where I think the worry is that Jaden was more of a liability in some respects. Um, so, like, kind of the idea from Eden to try and capitalize from that. I think as well for me, even the execution in camp around let's stay OG Titans strong and let's go for, you know, um, let's split the votes, let's get Ray out. That still felt to me like a really solid plan that I thought Eden was driving well for the most part, truth be told. Yeah, so I thought he was doing an okay job, but so in my notes, they increasingly get more erratic and end up in capital letters. So (laughs) I'll just, uh, I'll talk about what my issues were with this. So, first of all, it makes no sense to try and bring people together who hate each other, and then to target <laughs> Ray, shattering the majority that they've formed, and also taking out a person that's not actually a threat. Then he gives Mark the opportunity to be one of the votes on Ray, so that if Mark really wants to, all he has to do is get like three other people to write down Caroline, and then Caroline goes anyway. And then, in, in all caps this time, he didn't feel Caroline in on the plan at all until after she thought that she was finally getting rid of Mary. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Just> so bad. <laughs> when, when you lay out like that, 
yeah, maybe there were some problems. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was a good idea. I understood why he thought it, but there's just so many issues with it. And also, he's just completely. He's thinking of it so black and white as in Titans versus Rebels, but he's just completely forgetting the fact that Ferris needs extra numbers to be able to take out Kirby later on anyway, so it was never going to be Titans versus Rebels. Yeah. I do think that is the kind of the big thing that knocked him in the sense of he landed at the tribe swap. He landed on the majority Titan, OG Titan majority tribe. And so I yeah. think in his mind, he's still thinking this is tribe lines, but... Brucey called it, you know, tribe lines are gone. Like, it's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I I thought the scene between Kitty, Caroline and Eden will go down as maybe one of the most iconic scenes ever when he's explaining <laughs> to them. <laughs> oh, even if, um, even if we vote them out, we have the numbers. And there's like this crystal clarity moment where they both just say, sorry, a clarity moment where they both just say, oh, yeah, you're right. We do have the numbers, don't we? (laughs) What you said makes sense. (laughs) Not to jump back much, but I also want to mention when um, Eden first tells Caroline what the actual plan is, the way she just goes, no, I'm not on board. Absolutely. So good as well. (laughs) Just further evidence that Caroline is falling apart. I do think Caroline and Kitty are very correct in their concern over their relationships that they're just destroying for no reason, though. Yeah. But, you know, follow through on that. (laughs) It would have been the easiest thing in the world for them to go to Ferris and tell them the plan to stay in the majority, and they actively chose not to do that. They chose crazy... Well, they chose a more risky alternative, um, it had a higher upside, had a better reward, but it was definitely way more risky. I agree. How did you feel about the blatancy of the of uh, Eden telling Ree that the votes were on her? <laughs> I see. I don't quite understand their relationship. If they have a relationship, then I, I thought it was fine. If they don't have a relationship, then it looked really obvious to me that he was trying to get her to play the idol. I, I don't think necessarily. From that conversation, you would get the OG Titans are all working together and they're targeting Raymond, you know. But I think if I was Riri in this scenario and he's saying that to me, and maybe this is one of the few conversations we have, I'm not putting a huge amount of faith in the fact that he's telling me the truth. Um, And why do I think that? Because he's gulping his water like every three seconds. Yeah, I think if I was Rhea, I'd think, okay, so this is a flush plan. And then, you know, as she does later on in the episode, she kind of has to play the idol because as far as she knows, while they don't want it gone, most of the votes are likely coming her way. Yeah. Yeah. Never going to be mad at Rhea in this scenario for playing the idol, but... Yeah, didn't didn't think it was great <laughs> from Eden, unfortunately. <laughs> Let's talk about Ferris then, because he makes some really good reads here and uh, has some quite fun interrogations of Caroline and Kitty. I just want to say off the bat, I loved his approach of pulling people to the side and just throwing out names based on absolutely nothing. I thought that was championship, top-tier thinking. I really, really liked that. 
I don't know if it was like just a really good guess and he hit with Ray and Eileen or whether it was just because those were the only two that was actually bothered about going home. Yeah. Now that you said that, I immediately believe the latter. I'd not thought about it till you said it, but <laughs> now I totally believe it. <laughs> yeah. It's like something dodgy might be going on, but if it's someone else, so well. <laughs> Maybe as well, those are the only people who are not safe. Because he knows that he has an idol, Alex has an idol, Ree has an idol, Kirby, you know, is maybe more connected to Kitty Caroline Valeria. And so really the only people who are at risk are Raymond and Eileen. But but I, I, I'm much happier to believe it's just because those are the only two people he likes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he gave up though a little bit early. Obviously, he throws out the names. I've heard out Raymond. I've heard Raymond. I've heard Eileen. And as soon as they say no, he just kind of accepts it. I would have loved to have seen him push a little bit more for, you know, oh, really? And and just see how sweaty they get. I agree. I think Caroline was kind of shifty, but I think Kitty played it very well, which is probably why he didn't push further. But I want to throw some it to you, which was, why didn't Ferris say to Kitty... Caroline's filled me in on the plan. Is it Ray or Eileen that are getting the votes? Because I think it would have very easily fallen into that trap. Oh, that's spicy. I like that. That's next level. <laughs> yeah. Ferris, you're going to have to answer that one for us. <laughs> Hit someone on Instagram. Why didn't you say that? That would have been perfect. I mean, the answer's probably because if they were telling the truth, then that looks really bad on him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think she would have spilt. But actually, let's play devil's advocate. Would Ferris have ever signed up for a plan that gets rid of Raymond's? That's true. He could maybe he could have said that Caroline had told him about this plan and she didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but then surely she should have told Kitty about that anyway. It's difficult because of how Caroline and Kitty are, I think. What's not difficult, though, is that it should never have been Raymond's. (laughs) (laughs) I know we've done this once already, but let's just do it again. (laughs) Why? (laughs) If you're going to try and take out someone close to Ferris, you target Ferris and you better not. (laughs) (laughs) Because the whole point here is that it has to be a blindside. It can't be a split vote. And so I think genuinely the options are Ferris... Kirby, Eileen, Alex, Ray. I don't think you'd go Alex or Ray either. Yeah, <laughs> like flipping it. Like <laughs> there are so many better people to target. I think there's there's payoff in getting rid of Eileen, but I think Ferris and Kirby are the two people that you really want to get rid of to make a big move. Maybe people are scared of making a big move, but in which case, why make a move at all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Let's get to Tribal Council then, because it descends even further into madness. Um, <laughs> with some cleverly placed questions from JLP, which which essentially are, tell me, how are you doing? They decide to spill absolutely everything about their reconciliation, their eternal love for each other, and how they're clearly back in an alliance. This was insane. <laughs> like Val suddenly being like, we put everything aside. <laughs> what? <laughs> I really feel like 
in the moment they hadn't really talked about the fact that they could play it off differently at tribal, so they were like, I better not, otherwise it might all fall through. <laughs> but this was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. It was so obvious. When when Eileen made the comment, I'm still assessing, I was like, You're still assessing what? <laughs> <laughs> I love that that showed how analytical Eileen is, though. Like, they just turned to her and they're like, what do you think? And she was like, not 100% complete yet. <laughs> but also, um, Eden whispering to Mark, who he should be on the opposite side of the vote of, like, come on. Yeah. Do you think there was something around the way production had sat them as well? that just made this kind of obvious that something was potentially going to happen. Because by chance, how do you get all the OG Titans and all the OG Rebels side by side? I think that's the thing. Like, unless everyone's sitting in the same order every time or near enough, you have to read into that a little bit. Yeah. I thought Ferris did a really, really good job. I think really good reads to recognise what was happening. I loved the muttered name. Vote for Eden. (laughs) (laughs) That moment where uh, Ferris and Kirby finally come together and she's like, I feel a shift. (laughs) He's like, let's change. That was such an exciting moment that really paid off there from all of the carnage between them that's happened. I thought the one part that really sort of for me, I thought, gosh, is this going to turn into something even more? Is when Alex stood up. Obviously, the the word goes down the line, vote for Eden. Alex, for some inexplicable reason, gets up and walks over and asks, what the heck is going on? In my mind... I think Alex is just like, don't leave me out again, please. Yeah. But that should have triggered the OG Titans realising something's happening here. Like... The whispers weren't too secretive. Alex is pretty the obvious reads. So, so when Mark says, I'm not worried, I was blown away that he made that comment. Yeah, I think... Because obviously Mark sees Eden as this sort of scatterbrain, paranoid person. So when Eden actually has the correct read, Mark's just like, oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> but I don't know how he, how he thought that when everyone else was like whispering over there. Yeah. Do you think Eden was the right person for kind of Ferris to target in this moment? I think from Ferris's perspective, he can see that Eden's the one doing the whispering to Mark. I think it makes sense that this plan has kind of come from Eden. Um, But also, it's kind of the least lost to Ferris. Like, I think Caroline and Kitty, you know, if they were telling the truth, they've got nowhere else to go. So they're kind of going to stick with him anyway and they're good numbers for him to use. So I think Eden's the safest choice for him to cut just in case he's wrong. Yeah, totally agree. We go then to the votes. Um, So the votes on the initial first vote, we have a 6-6 split between Titans and Rebels focusing on Raymond. Excuse me? Raymond and Eden. Um... Ferris's face when he sees the Raymond vote. Oh. <laughs> Hell hath no fury. <laughs> uh, Ferris's face when he gets like when the votes don't go the way he what like he's expecting. Like he's so furious, so pissy. 
and yet like it's really interesting because everyone else is like panicked or like scared with ferris there's no fear whatsoever there's just anger (laughs) (laughs) you come for my boy (laughs) (laughs) oh I, i text you this this does feel like raymond is the sweet innocent brother at school and if anyone picks on him you get the big brother ferris coming yeah. in like... <laughs> oh i mean it's impressive that ferris has managed to keep raven in the game this long to be honest yeah especially because he's such a big threat and everyone's targeting him that's <laughs> yeah massive target <laughs> anyway we go back to the revotes everyone's wondering what's going to happen and sneaky sneaky Jaden's montage pays off massively, and Jaden is the person who switches his votes, leading to Eden being the person voted out of Australian Survivor Titans versus Rebels. How much credit do you want to give Jaden for this move? I mean, I mean, I guess Jaden gets the credit for that because he did that, but also I don't know that it's a good move for Jaden. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, from the next time, it looks like he's going to find a home with Kirby, which is probably a really good thing for him. But it was a very emotional move. It was a split second decision. Based on everything he'd done so far in the game, I don't think this hurts his game in any way. But I do think that it made his route to the end less easy. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I feel good, actually. I feel what you said is true. It makes it harder but at least he did something. And of all the people to switch, I think it does the least amount of damage for Jaden's game to kind of be the person who pulled the trigger um, and to kind of switch on to Eden. So yeah, I was I was down for it. And I did like this kind of idea that Eden was training him and now, you know, the apprentice has become the master, that kind of theme of <laughs> striking him down. <laughs> um I loved how the eventual reveal was edited as well because they didn't show us until after Eden's final words where he says one of them flipped on me and we get this really, really short clip where Jaden just holds up his vote for Eden and says, yeah, this is for Will. Yeah. And then they do like a, you know, like at the end of the screen movies where Ghostface jumps out and stabs the screen yeah. and it's like a high pitch, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like that and then cut to black immediately. Oh. <laughs> so extra, so great. It was so good. But, can, I, can we just do a bit of hypothesizing for a little bit? Yeah. You know, let's say Jaden sticks on his vote. Okay, 6-6. Six, six. So the next moment is, can we come to a consensus? I think in that consensus, the rebels are in no way, are you ever going to get Ferris to vote out Raymond's? So you're never going to unanimously get rid of Raymond's. Do you think the other OG Titans would have flipped on Eden before going to rocks. So the the talking gives it an interesting dynamic because I think there's quite a few things that could possibly happen. I think Valeria could quite easily flip. I think Jaden could have easily flipped. I think Alex could have easily flipped from the Rebels group. I don't necessarily think that anyone else would have maybe re it very much depends on who's willing to go to rocks which i imagine is none of them so (laughs) so it definitely would have happened hey guys editing matt here i just wanted to acknowledge something which we didn't even consider when we were filming our podcast 
which was that Jaden was immune. So obviously, if they had gone to a rocks, Jaden wouldn't have been vulnerable at all and would have been completely safe, which makes his decision to take out Eden even more savage. Yeah, in my mind, that was the only way this was going to go because you have to have that unanimous consensus if, you, if the second vote doesn't work. So I think this either ends with Eden going out with people drawing rocks. I don't think a lot of the people would have banked their game on rocks. Um, no, I don't. Either way, Eden becomes the next person voted out. Should we do a quick in requiem? Um, devastating, devastating loss. Okay. The best player we've seen in a century. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so flipping high on him still. He's been brilliant. Uh, to his question, are you not entertained? Eden, we were very entertained. Um. Yes. <laughs> yeah, fantastic narrator. Gone too soon. Definitely in line for a second chance. Yeah. Oh, easy, easy peasy lemon squeezy. I think the hard part is that he's not going to be on the jury. That is robbery. Yeah, that's such a shame. Yeah. If I was on production, I'd be like, let's just make it. A... Yeah. <laughs> Nine person, ten person, however many we've got yeah. there. You're, you're, you might find this take somewhat interesting. <laughs> Hopefully to find it somewhat interesting, but we'll see. I do think genuinely for me, this merge has happened too soon. And I think it's happened too soon to protect Ferris. That's genuinely how I feel. I feel like merging with 14 people and not having a large jury is just a perplexing choice. Um, I don't know that it's specifically done for any reason, but it's definitely out of the norm, but it's not out of the norm for US. So I don't, it's hard to say really, but then, then again, the US, they like smaller tribals. So it's not really copying that either. Maybe they just felt the action would happen. Like mixing it up a bit. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the thought bringing all these people who hate each other together would make for really fun television. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally back that. 100% has been brilliant television. But yeah, just made me, maybe I raised an eyebrow a quarter after seeing that even the third person voted out after Merge wasn't going to be on the jury. Yeah, I definitely think that the standard should be that when the merge happens, everyone remaining goes on to that jury. Yeah, or, or I'm okay with one vote. I'm okay with the merge boot not being there, but yeah, anything more than that, I think, is it's too much for me personally. So there we have it. <laughs> Episode 13 to 15 of Australian Survivor Titans versus Rebels. A brilliant week. Matt, how are you feeling going forward into week six? What are you looking for? I'm looking forward to it. I think I do have concerns that now lines are drawn. It's going to be less exciting, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think we have such chaotic characters left that there's, there's bound to be at least one really exciting episode within the three of each week. I have no idea what's going to happen. I think everything's so messy. Everything's still so blurred. And that leaves me really, really excited for it. Um, I think we're going to see this, you mentioned it earlier, this Kirby-Jason alliance, I think could be really good um, and lead to some exciting stuff happening. Insanely, I still feel like this is Kirby's game to lose at this point, (laughs) especially now that the Titans have been knocked down a few. Yeah, I I think we're probably going to get the culmination of Kirby versus Ferris next week. And I know that's been teased a lot, 
But I just think it's going to be a bit of an arms race now to see who gets there first. What, do you think one of them is going to be the first member of the jury? Or... Yeah. Yeah, I think I think, I think think Sunday's episode or potentially Monday's episode, I think it's either Ferris or Kirby who gets weighted out. Also, give us more Eileen and Ray screen time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, it's been brilliant chatting this through with us. Um, blah, blah, blah. That was a terrible sentence. It's been brilliant chatting this through with us. Matt, what an amazing time it is to be alive, to be a Survivor fan, to watch Australian Survivor Titans versus Rebels. For all of the people out there, where can they follow us? Yeah, they can follow us on Instagram at the Sit Out Bench, all lowercase with full stops in the middle, and over on X at Sit Out Bench. Yep, and the best thing you do to make the podcast grow is to give us a five star review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Um, and take the time to send the podcast to someone you love. Maybe someone who usually watches maths on a Monday to Thursday, but wants more meaning in their life. Um, but from us, <laughs> the podcast, the sit-out bench, see you next time. See you next time, guys. Bye.